0: peace be upon you. So one of the most neglected senses that a human being has is their sense of smell. When people are commonly asked out of all the senses, which one, if you had to forego on one, which one would it be? They almost unanimously pick their sense of smell. Uh, Immanuel Kant wrote, which organic sense is the most ungrateful and also seems the most dispensable, the sense of smell. But smell should not be easily discarded. In the past, smell was an essential tool that we use for survival. Sensitivity to smell allowed us to be able to locate food and to determine the freshness of it. But today, most people, rather than smelling their food to determine their freshness, they just look at the expiration date and determine it from that. But this downplayed gift from God. It got a new level of appreciation as one of the side effects of COVID was the loss of smell. Smell makes up some 80% of the food we taste. So when you look at the, uh, the taste sensors that we have, it's only limited to sweet, salty, sour, bitter, and umami, which is the savory sensation. But all these other tastes that we are able to detect, it comes purely from the sense of smell. For instance, the taste of strawberries, uh, peaches, melon, grape, all these, that concoction, that flavor that we have, occurs because of the smell of these products that once you remove the smell you're limited to just these five sensors and that's why when in essence someone is sick or they're congested or they're on a plane and the air quality is dry that food just tastes bland that no matter how much hot sauce they add to it how much uh, seasoning they add to it the food just doesn't have the flavor it does when the sense of smell is at its peak And the smell doesn't just come through the nostrils. Actually, when you eat, the smell comes from behind the nostrils into the same sensors. And if all of a sudden 80% of this uh, sensation we get from tasting food diminishes, you just realize how much this uh, sensory uh, organ has been neglected, that we take it for granted that if it wasn't for the sake of a smell, the food would not taste nearly as good as it does. And this actually is uh, profound because they did studies and they looked at people who lost their uh, ability to see, so their sight, and people who lost their ability to smell. And what they found out was that the time lapse of depression for those who lost sight was shorter than those who lost their sense of smell. That this joy we get from eating food, it's one of the simplest joys a human being has. That irrespective of the situation, that the second we put some you know, delicious food in our mouth, Uh, it can change our mood. It can change our sensation. It can give us simple joy and pleasure that is always accessible. And God acknowledges this, that the joy that food provides people, specifically people who are going through rough times. In Surah 22, verse 28, it reads, eat therefrom and feed the despondent and the poor. Now we know why we feed the poor, because they have a lack of resources. But it's interesting that it says to feed the despondent, those who are miserable, those who are going through hard times. Because this is a simple way to elevate their mood, to elevate their uh, spirits. When we taste delicious food, our brains release dopamine. It's a feel-good chemical. This is what makes us feel good. It makes us feel pleasure. And by simply eating food, we're hardwired to feel good from that response. And these are the physical, worldly benefits of uh, smelling. But I want to get into the spiritual function of smelling. Because I find that smell plays a large part in our spiritual well-being as well. The sense of smell is highly correlated with being present and conscious of our surroundings. You think of the difference between eating an orange and really savoring that taste, smelling it, feeling it, and then when you put it in your mouth, all that that sensation you're having, it's making you be uh, present. And this is a crucial piece of being appreciative. That you have to be appreciative for your surroundings. You have to be appreciative for the food that God has given us. That by being able to smell, it's waking us up because this is a conscious effort that takes place. You consider that, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you're constantly smelling. But the only times that you're conscientious of your smells when you're alert, when you have cognitive alertness. And when we eat food, again, if we want to know if we're being conscious, if we're being appreciative you can acknowledge, are you tasting the food? Are you actually smelling it? You're being aware of your surroundings. And this is the profound aspect of smell, is that we spend most our time in our heads thinking about our thoughts. And this causes us to lose our connection to what is clearly in front of us. We are so fixated on our reflections that we miss the world around us. Out of all our senses, The sense that really determines if we're paying attention, if we're conscious of what's going on around us is our sense of smell, that we can use this sense of smell as a indicator if we're being present in the moment, if we're being appreciative, again, of the surroundings, the space, the environment, and conscientious of all these blessings that God has given us. You know, consider your breath. Most of us probably are not even thinking about our breathing until we are reminded of it. And that typically happens when there's an odor or a smell, be it pleasant or unpleasant, that when we come in contact with that, all of a sudden we become conscious of our breathing. And when you're conscious of your breathing, you're more aware and in tune with life. When we notice our breath, we automatically notice the subtleties and smells around us in our environment. When we are present, we become aware of our bodies, our souls, our lives. When we are absent, life can pass us by without us even being aware of it. Now, what's interesting is when you read the Quran, you don't notice this, this uh, subtle innuendo regarding smell. But God has given us lots of examples of the prophets and messengers. And God tells us that they're selected because they're among the most righteous. And I notice that this sense of smell has served certain aspects of the stories of the messengers. And God tells us in Surah 38, verse 45, through 47, it says, Remember also our servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were resourceful and possessed vision. We bestowed upon them a great blessing, awareness of the hereafter. They were chosen, for they were among the most righteous. Remember Ishmael, Elijah, and Zelkifel among the most righteous. So God is telling us that these human beings were among the most righteous. Now we have certain details about their lives, and it's interesting that you see that this concept of smell. It's something that is subtly alluded to through their examples in life. One common trait that I see regarding the character of messengers is that they are much more in tune with the follies of society. That while others are oblivious and heedless, the messengers were able to clearly identify how the people have been misled by Satan and have strayed off the right path. And what was it about their character that allowed them to be able to identify this? In the example of Jacob, We see the connection between Jacob and his sense of smell. Smell seems to be an almost superpower that a number of messengers possessed. And Jacob is a perfect example of that. So one aspect of smell is that as we age, our sensitivity to smell diminishes. But we see that Jacob, in his old age, he was able to sense the smell of Joseph coming from a caravan, leaving Egypt, carrying nothing more than the shirt of Joseph. It reads in 1293 through uh, 96, says, take this shirt of mine. So this is Joseph giving his shirt to his brothers. It says, when you throw it on my father's face, his vision will be restored. Bring your whole family and come back to me. Even before the caravan arrived, their father said, I can sense the smell of Joseph. Will someone enlighten me? They said, by God, you are still in your old confusion. When the bearer of good news arrived, he threw the shirt on his face whereupon his vision was restored. He said, did I not tell you that I knew from God what you do not know? If Jacob was able to achieve this miraculous feat at such an old age, is there any doubt that years before when the brothers gave him Joseph's shirt with fake blood on it, that he was not able to detect their scheme, that he was not able to smell and determine that this was not human blood, that this was not the scent of his son? And it shows that there's something about, again, the sense of smell that he's able to tap into to make him more in tune with the realities of this world. In Surah 12, verse 18, it reads, they produced his shirt with fake blood on it. He said, indeed, you have conspired with each other to commit a certain scheme. All I can do is resort to a quiet patience. May God help me in the face of your conspiracy. Jacob's ability to be able to have such a heightened sense of smell It shows that he was very much in tune with his surroundings. He was very much in tune with his soul, his body, his uh, uh, environment. And this is something that, unlike other senses, we can actually improve upon. Smell is something that, again, with practice, with consciousness, with deliberate effort, we can actually improve our ability to be able to pick up on these subtleties, these cues. You know, you consider a dog and how a dog views the entire world, that due to their heightened sense of smell, the millions of receptors that their nose has, that they view the world through smell. And this gives them a kind of supernatural superpower that they're able to pick up on intuitions that the average human being misses out on. I remember years ago, we lived in a complex, and it was interesting, you know, hundreds of people would come and go, but somehow my dog knew exactly when anyone would come and park their car, and be with the intention of coming to our unit. Meaning that they were able, somehow he was able to distinguish those who were coming to visit other individuals versus ones who had the intention of coming to ours. Now, how would he know this? You know, these aren't repeat uh, visitors. These are completely new visitors, that he had some sort of sense that this individual, this person had the intention of coming to our home. How did he possibly know that? And again, this isn't something supernatural. This is something that he has access to because of the sensory mechanisms that God has given him. That there's dogs that can sniff out and identify cancers and dementia and all kinds of ailments. Now, there's something, again, that they're able to tap into that shows a heightened sense of awareness. And if we train ourselves, again, to be more in tune with our sense of smell, that we might be able to identify things or sense things that our conscious part of our uh, brain is going to miss out on. And we have another example of smell in the, uh, the, uh, the Quran from one of God's messengers. And this time it's in the context of Jesus. When Jesus was presenting his miracles to prove the authenticity of his messengership, we read some of the miracles that he presented. In Surah 3, verse 49, it reads, As a messenger to the children of Israel, I come to you with a sign from your Lord. I create from you, from clay, the shape of a bird. Then I blow into it and it becomes a live bird by God's leave. I restore vision to the blind. I heal the leprous and I revive the dead by God's leave. I can tell you what you eat and what you store in your homes. This should be a proof for you if you are believers. Now this knowledge that he knew what they ate and what they stored in their homes, this could have been given via divine inspiration Or the fact that, again, he had this heightened sense of smell that God has blessed him with. That simply by meeting someone, he can determine what they ate and what they store in their homes. That this is something that, again, God is giving him access to in order to be able to show that he is divinely inspired. That he is in tune with his surroundings. That he has access to information that the average person is not uh, aware of because they miss out on these subtleties. Another example is that of Solomon. Solomon was blessed with vast material wealth. One of those is that he had lesions of jinns, humans, and animals that he could communicate in order. In surah 27 verse16 it says, Solomon was David's heir. He said, "O oh my people, we have been endowed with the understanding and the language of birds, and all kinds of things have been bestowed upon us. This indeed is a real blessing, mobilized in the service of Solomon were his obedient soldiers of jinns and humans as well as the birds, all at his disposal. In the next verse, we see that Solomon also understood the communication of ants. It reads in 2718, says, When they approached the valley of the ants, one ant said, O you ants, go into your homes, lest you get crushed by Solomon and his soldiers without perceiving. He, Solomon, smiled and laughed at her statement and said, my Lord, direct me to be appreciative of the blessings you have bestowed upon me and my parents and to do the righteous works that please you. Admit me by your mercy into the company of your righteous servants. You know, at first glance, such an exchange might appear to be more suited in the land of science fiction and not one would expect in a holy scripture from God. But it is passages like this that provide assurances to the believers that the Quran has been untampered, since its revelation 1,400 years ago. For generations, individuals probably struggled to comprehend how ants could communicate in such a sophisticated manner, let alone how a human being would ever be able to understand such communication. Even today, people use this passage in an attempt to discredit the Quran. But despite the pushback and ridicule, these verses have stayed intact, and now with advancements in science and understanding of ant communication, we have the final laugh. E.O. Wilson is an American biologist, naturalist, writer, and a staunch atheist who happens to be the world-leading expert on ants. On June 14, 2009, E.O. Wilson sat down for an interview at the World Science Festival to discuss ant communication. And I'm going to link now to the audio of this exchange that he had to show how ants communicate. And this is exactly like how we see It detailed in the verses of the Quran.
1: How how can we see how their sociability come through in their behavior?
2: Well, they live in these colonies, and some of them are spectacular in size and the way they're organized. Uh, And you can see this uh, here that they divide labor. They are superb at getting a job done fast and uh, respond oh, to, to each guy. other, Yeah, this, they can catch prey together. These are army ants here uh, from the tropics uh, uh-huh. and uh, they communicate always by s- smell and taste.
1: They communicate by smelling and tasting Taste, things. Yeah. They're, okay. they're, do they have eyes? Do they have ears? Do they talk? Do they? I don't know. I've been watching too many animated Pixar films, haven't I? Talking ants.
2: Well, uh, <laughs> uh, actually, you, you you should bear in mind that we, humans, are highly unusual in that we are audiovisual. You know, we talk—that mm. sound—and we see and communicate the way I'm doing now mm-hmm. with my hands and signs and visual. signaling signaling of all kinds, but ants don't do that. Some of them have eyes big enough to see, but they don't use them very much at all to to signal back and forth. What they do is they let out smells and they offer substances on on their bodies. They have many kinds of glands from where their mouth opens, glands that all the way to the end of their bodies And these are, uh, they open to the outside. So when an ant wants to say something, you know, like, watch out, danger, or come here, I have something important, or follow me, out the end of the trail I just laid, uh, there's food out there, or there's an enemy out there. They let out a particular Substance that has that signal in
1: it. hang on are there different substances for the different type of communication
2: that they want to say Yeah, they have how many s-
1: how many words do they have?
2: Well, basically 10 to 20 They can say things like look out Danger they can say things like I'm a soldier <laughs> or they can say things like I'm a member of a such-and-such such colony sniff sniff are and you a doing, fellow member? They're, they're ten or twenty this, things like they're that. They're
1: doing this by excreting chemicals onto the ground. So, yeah. in other words, and so then on how the ground, long on that, their
2: bodies, and into the air.
1: And how right. long does that communication then last? I mean, if another ant comes along uh, uh, ten minutes later, it's presumably still there. Oh, or what well, about, or a day later, a depends week. Depends
2: on the signal. Now, for example, we can identify Josh Stept uh, by clothes, by face. There he is. That's a signal that goes out all the time. But there are other signals that you don't want to have going all the time. For I'm example. frequently
1: excreting scents that
2: oh, shouldn't yeah. be going out all for the time. A, for, example, uh, for example, right. If you uh, started saying, uh, alarm, alarm. I think there's a fire. I'm going to say, stop saying that. <laughs> In other words, so an ant that's uh, found something that bothers them. Now look here. This is a picture that shows you how this works. Oh, mm-hmm. we work. Yeah, okay, we'll well, yeah, come let, on, continue Let's take that. a look
1: at that video, because it's, so it's interesting. So what I've done one. in this these experiment
2: are, yep. uh, is, uh, if we can come back to that, yeah. That's a fire ant. Uh-huh. Now I'm holding it, and now I'm squeezing its end to the tip of its abdomen there, and I'm getting on a little of the pheromone that these ants use to lay their trails, and I'm laying a trail, and here they come, see?
1: So they I spe-
2: you can speak to the ants that's the great thing about it.
1: So you are you are taking basically the voice box of another ant which is the which is in chemical form you're yeah. laying it down on a piece of paper and the other ants what are they thinking when they come up come upon that trail do they go oh look here's someone trying to tell me something what well, is it that he's people yeah, tell Well yeah what
2: me? I did I had some food waiting for them down there. Ah. So I said Did you give uh, them any food or was it dead end? Uh, well you know that was enough. <laughs> uh, I uh, to get, uh, to reward them. Uh-huh. So what? Essentially, what I did, uh, I put that well away from the colony, so it would have been a long time before they found it. Then I took just that one substance, you know, that kind of chemical. You couldn't mm-hmm. smell it yourself. It's, it's there in such tiny amounts that the ants control it with these two antennae. You know, mm-hmm. that their antennae are just loaded with sensors for detecting all these chemical words. And the ants, when I laid that trail. Uh, Then uh, got the message, there's food,
0: Mm -hmm. follow that trail. So from this talk, we see that this is exactly how ants communicate, that they release pheromones. And these pheromones can be signals and warnings to the colony, that they're able to tell them of imminent danger, that they're able to identify uh, adjacent colonies and have names for them, just like it's described in the Quran. When the Quran says that, oh you ants, go back into your home lest you get crushed by Solomon and his troops, that this is the exact kind of communication that you would expect an ant to make. Now what's fascinating is the way that this communication occurs is via pheromones. These are sensory smells that the ant releases that individual ants can basically pick up on. And by God's leave, Solomon was able to, from the sense of smell alone, be able to detect what the ants were saying and communicating. Now, what's fascinating about this is twofold. One is the fact that Solomon was able to communicate with these ants, that he was able to understand their language. But secondly, it shows that how much in tune Solomon was with his surrounding, that when he was mobilizing with his troops, and you you imagine that they're on a mission, they're, they're marching somewhere with an intention, that he's able to stop, pause, and listen in on what the ants have to say. Again, this shows how sensitive Solomon was to his surroundings. That he wasn't just on the mission, oblivious to what's going on around him. That he would stop and be able to pick up on the scent of the ants to understand what it is they were saying when he's clearly on a mission, mobilizing to do something or some task. That it shows that our sensitivity to smell and being conscious of the smells around us are indicative of our presence in this life. That are we conscious of what's going on around us? Are we aware of our surroundings? That in order to be in tune and be able to identify the right from the wrong, to be able to identify the ailments of society, that someone has to be present. And a way of just indicating if we are, is are we aware of the smells around us? Now, this last example is a little different. Because up until now, we're using smell as an indicator of our ability to be present in the moment. But smell is also heavily linked with memory, meaning that it increases our ability to recollect and remember things in vivid detail. Memories that may be buried in the recesses of our minds can be unlocked through the right smell. It's almost like there is a combination that with the right smell, all of a sudden you can unlock memories that you did not know you had And there's over one trillion different smells that a human being can theoretically detect. Now, if you have the right key that can trigger the right smell, that can unlock certain memories, you imagine what memories we have locked away that we don't have access to. For instance, prior to coming into this world, we lived for billions of years, one of the clear indications of this is in surah 7 verse 172 where we were all asked to bear witness that there's no other god beside god prior to our arrival here on earth and there's other clues in the quran to show that we lived we existed prior to coming into this form of a human being here on earth now what if there's a mechanism a trigger a certain key that can be used to unlock some of these memories? To be able to reconnect back to our original source. To be able to reconnect our memories, our yearning that we have naturally, back to God. Now consider the Prophet Muhammad. The Prophet was summoned to the high horizon, where God placed the entire Quran inside the Prophet's heart. And over a span of 23 years, slowly this memory, this recollection he had of the Quran was released for him to be able to access and to disseminate to the people. In Surah 17, verse 1, it reads, Most glorified is the one who summoned his servant Muhammad during the night from the sacred masjid of Mecca to the farthest place of prostration, whose surroundings we have blessed in order to show him some of our signs. He is the hear, the seer. So the Prophet was raised to this high horizon. He was given the entire Quran. And again, over a span of some 23 years, slowly this Qur'an was released to his memory. And it reads in Surah 17, verse 106, this is a Qur'an that we release slowly in order for you to read it to the people over a long period, although we sent it down all at once. So let's consider how this mechanism could possibly work. That the Qur'an was released to the heart, the mind of the Prophet. And over time, it was allowed for him to be able to access certain verses, certain passages over a period of time in order for him to communicate that to the people. In Surah 42 verse 51, it reads, no human being can communicate with God except through inspiration or from behind a barrier or by sending a messenger through whom he reveals what he wills. He is the most high, most wise. So these are the three mechanisms that God communicates with the human beings. The first one is wahi, this is inspiration from God. The second mechanism is from behind the barrier, similar to how God spoke with Moses. And the third mechanism is by sending a messenger. So for instance, for us to get the message from God, we resort to a human messenger. But the messengers themselves oftentimes would get this message through the angel messengers of God. Now, when we read the next verse, it says, Thus we inspired to you a revelation proclaiming our commandments. You had no idea about the scripture or faith, yet we made this a beacon to guide whomever we choose from among our servants. Surely you guide in a straight path. Now, it's interesting, it says when we inspired to you a revelation, the word here for revelation is ru. Ru is typically translated as spirit but it comes from the same word as smell. And it's interesting that when it talks about the Holy Spirit, that it uses a word that again comes from the same meaning as the word for smell or for wind. That these are something that again are invisible, but the essence of it is uh, present. And this mechanism that is understood is that at certain moments in the Prophet's life, he was able to recollect the Quran that was locked away in his memory. The interesting part is that this mechanism that is done to unlock this is by means of the spirit, which again is the word rule. And it reads in 26, 192 through 195, says, this is a revelation from the Lord of the universe. The honest spirit Gabriel came down with it to reveal it into your heart that you may be one of the warners in a perfect Arabic tongue. Now, the way I'm envisioning this is that there's a certain key that when comes in contact with the human being through the sense of smell, it unlocks something in their brain that allows them to be able to access this memory. What's interesting is that God constantly references the Quran as dhikr. Dhikr means a reminder, but more accurately, something that you remember, meaning that this Quran, this knowledge of this understanding, is embedded inside every single human being. And under the right circumstances, they're able to unlock this memory and bring it to the conscious part of their memory. That's why God says that the believers, when they hear the Quran, it's as if they recognize it, like they recognize their own children. That we have this this knowledge, again, embedded inside our minds. And only with the right circumstances, the right inspiration from God, that we're able to unlock this and be able to access it as part of our collective memory. And it's just fascinating that smells offer this ability, that you could have a memory locked away, but with the right smell, it works as if it's like a key that unlocks that memory and has it flooding back with such vivid detail that memories that were locked away all of a sudden can become easily accessible and be able to be recollected with such clarity Such immersion that were previously inaccessible, that when God sends His Spirit, His Ru, that it allows Muhammad to unlock this memory of the Quran and be able to access it and deliver it to the world. You know, out of all our senses, again, the sense of smell is one of the one that is the most neglected, but in certain regards, it's the most mystical of all our senses. Even the process of how the physiochemical and quantum effects that take place in order to be able to enable or sense smell are not fully understood. That it's fascinating that there's literally quantum effects that the vibration of the molecules is triggering a quantum effect that can determine how we detect the smell. That this is not just purely a physical uh, effect, that there's something beyond this realm taking place when we smell. But it seems like this crucial sense served as a critical component in the messenger's lives and their connection with God in something that we can be conscious of in order to be able to draw closer to God. So next time you take a bite of an apple or you taste any food, just take a moment to be present, to be appreciative, to reflect on these flavors that God has blessed us with. You know, when you're around, you're just going through your day to day, take a moment to detect the smells around you. To become more in tune with what's going on in your body your soul your life your surroundings and god willing if we access this if we make this a practice that we become conscientious of the smells around us that god willing we can utilize this to draw closer to god god willing we're going to end there if you guys got comments or questions or you want to find like-minded individuals come join us on discord you can find the discord link below Thank God we got a thriving community of individuals who are there almost daily communicating and conversing. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. And if you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the QuranStudyApp.com website. And until next time, peace and God bless.